we're going to look book of Acts together. Acts chapter 9, we're going to make the Apostle Paul our summer series. So we're going to study on the Apostle Paul. Now, I know that we've uh, done some Bible studies through Acts. But, uh, we're going to do this series looking at the Apostle Paul. Now, some people, I know you like practicality, but listen, when you study Paul, it is practical. He was going into a world that was very much pagan. They didn't know about Christ. About anything went with morals. It was a lot of demonic activity. And you know what? It's the world in which we're at. And so as far as it being practical, as far as it being helpful, it sure is. Besides that, it's the Word of God, and so it's going to make a difference. So we're going to pick up with where Paul uh, meets the Lord. So that's Acts chapter 9. So let's go ahead and we'll begin with verse 1. Now, this Paul, his Hebrew name is Saul. So he's referred to here as Saul. Then Saul was still breathing threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord and went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, and by the way, Christians were called followers of the way at the beginning. Maybe it's because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get to the Father. You can't get to heaven except through me. But whether men or women, he didn't care that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, well, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the golds. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then he said to him, Arise and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. I want to skip over to verse 15, because Ananias was told to go and to pray for him. And, of course, he was a little bit reluctant. And here's what the Lord says in verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, speaking of Paul, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And let's go ahead and we'll have prayer again together. Lord, will you bless our time. Help us, Lord, to have wisdom and understanding and help us to be challenged. We certainly want to be individuals that walk with you, that have the assurance and peace that Christ lives within us, and we want to serve and make a difference for you. So help allow your word to have an impact upon each one of us today. And so we ask all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a man that was flying for the first time. And I don't know if you remember the first time you ever flew on an airplane, or maybe you've, you've not. But it can be a, a scary thing, especially the first time. And for some people, maybe it is every time. So this man, he was a little bit shook up a little bit. And then when he gets to the airport, they said, hey, your flight's going to be delayed. So they had time to go eat and suggested they go to a restaurant. So he was walking down to the airport to go to a restaurant. And he came across a machine that said it was for insurance. And it said you could take out $100,000 of life insurance for your flight, only for $3. And he thought, you know what, that's a pretty good deal. Deal like that, I might as well do it. So he, he did it. 
Then he went down to the restaurant, happened to be a Chinese restaurant. Felt pretty good about it until he got that fortune cookie, and the fortune cookie said, your recent investment will pay off handsomely. <laughs> well, when it comes to thinking of, the, of Paul or Saul, the early church, that's kind of what they thought. Death wasn't far away because this guy was out to get you. Now, there's people that think there's some that are unreachable. There's some people, there's no need in sharing the gospel. They're too mean. <laughs> They're too far gone for God to be able to have any type of impact upon them. You may know some people that you feel that that may be the case. And if you would have talked to people in the early church, they would have probably said, uh, Saul, you're wasting your time. Besides, it's too dangerous. You, he, you would be dead. But you know what Paul ends up telling us later on? Years later, he wrote, and he confessed and he admitted. He said, you know, I don't know if anybody was any worse than me. He said, I am the chief of all sinners. But he said, God showed in me His unlimited patience, grace, mercy. And if that was true with Paul, God can reach anyone. I remember being in the bookstore one day and someone had seen a book, Chuck Coson's book, Born Again. And I remember them saying, farce. He's just in it for money. You remember Chuck Coson was in Watergate. President Nixon's one of his henchman. And so he just had a hard time believing that Chuck Colson could actually be saved. But God had saved him. God had changed him. He had done so with the Apostle Paul. And so some people just thought it would be impossible. Now let's just take a look just for a moment at, at Paul and some of the reasons why people may have thought that. One of the things is that Paul was an individual that was full of pride. Paul had grown up to be a Pharisee, the most religious people. He grew up in Tarsus, by the way, and Tarsus was a city with a lot of education opportunities within it. And, of course, they would have had a synagogue. Paul would have went to the synagogue. In the synagogue, once you become old enough, 13, you would be there with the man, and they would take a passage of Scripture and be able to debate it, defend it, argue your point, and Paul got good. He got so good that his father wanted him to be able to go and to study with the best. And he sent him to Jerusalem to study under the feet of Gamaliel. And so he had the best of education. And if you think Paul was a debater, he had knowledge. And he would say in the book of Philippians, he'd say, hey, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews, born out of the tribe of Benjamin, where we got our first king. He said, I'm a Pharisee. He said, I advanced. That's what he wrote to the Galatians. I advanced faster than anybody my age. So in other words, Paul was a very smart man. And he would debate anybody and stand against anybody. And he was full of pride. He's, he, if you ask him... As far as his relationship, God said, I'm blameless. As far as the law, blameless. And so he was a person that was full of pride. You know, we've got individuals that are full of pride today. We've had them in our nation. I remember reading about one fella 
went into out west, went into a blacksmith shop, went over and he picked up a horseshoe. It was hot, so he dropped it real quick. Somebody asked him, they said, that horseshoe a little bit too hot for you? And see, he was too prideful to even rub his hand. He said, no, it just doesn't take me long to look at a horseshoe. Well, a lot of times, we too, we, we have a lot of pride. The Apostle Paul had a lot of pride. He really felt good about himself, that he knew better than most people. And so when you're talking about the Bible, uh, the Old Testament, the law, there was no need in trying to argue with him. He knew. He was the one that was going to convince you. And he was convinced that Christians were the ones that were wrong. And Paul was not just full of pride. But listen, he was full of hatred. Let me read you some verses. In 1 Timothy 1.13, he said this about himself. That he said, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent or a violent man. In Galatians, in 1.13, he said this. He said, I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. I tried to destroy, to wipe it out. In the 22nd chapter of Acts, Paul has given his testimony again. He said, I was a persecutor of this way to the death, binding and delivering them into prison. didn't matter, both men and women. In chapter 26, again, he's sharing his testimony. He says this, This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, that they were to be put to death. And he said, and I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue, compelled them to blaspheme, being exceedingly enraged. How can you be exceedingly enraged? If you're exceedingly enraged, you know what that means? You're just full of anger and hatred. And his, that's what his anger became, consumed him so much he was full of hate and determined he was going to wipe out Christians. And so he said, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it said that he Saul was consenting to his death, that being the death of Stephen. And then a couple of verses after that, it says he made havoc of the church entering every house, dragging men and women off, committing them to prison. He just had such a hatred. He was full of hate for Christianity because he had thought that Christianity was ruining the Jewish religion. And so Paul, seeing them then as an enemy and a hatred just developed within him. He wasn't interested in converting them. He was interested in eliminating them. And so, not only was he full then of hatred, that full of being full of hatred led him to be full of violence. And so Paul set out to be able to do anything that he could to be able to end the church. So, you get somebody like that, how can you reach that person? How do you have an impact on someone so full of hate? Well, what we're going to see is the gospel is powerful. So when Paul would later 
right about the power of the gospel to change lives to the Gentile and Jew, he experienced himself. So Paul knew that the gospel, the Holy Spirit taking and using the gospel, God's word penetrates and makes an impact upon hearts. Bill Fay, who who had ran prostitution rings, said that anybody that had witnessed to him, he would have cussed them out. And he said, you would have walked away thinking, I've just wasted my time. But years later, he said, the truth is, every single person that shared with me, he said, I remember to this day. I've never forgot. And Paul did not forget. He's on the road to Damascus, and the Lord Himself confronts him. He's a bright light. And then he hears a voice saying, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you? I think Paul recognizes, he recognizes he's in the presence of God. He's in the presence of the Lord. But he said, who are you, Lord? And then Jesus responds and said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. When you're persecuting God's people, God takes it personally. If you're persecuting the church, you're going against God. If you've made the church your enemy, then your enemy is God. You've got to be careful of that. And so, Paul, you've been persecuting me. Well, he thought Jesus was dead. He thought Jesus was a fraud. This become news to him. And what's interesting, Jesus said, Paul, he said, you've been kicking against the goals. Which, you know, whenever you uh, would use ox to be able to plow, and so you would put these harness on them, you would have a goal, which would be a, a something pointy, sharp, that would keep them going in the right direction. Sometimes it would just use to be able to, to gather them up. And if they would kick it, they would end up just being hurting themselves. And so you know what the Lord is saying? He's saying, Paul, I've been dealing with you for a while. I've been trying to get your attention for a little while. You know, isn't it interesting that sometimes we read this and we think, well, this is the only time, this is the first time that God tried to reach Paul. Not so. He's been dealing with Paul for a while trying to get his attention. When someone becomes a Christian, it usually don't happen just like that. It's been a process in which God has been at work getting your attention. And there's some of you that God's, some people may be here that God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get you to refocus. There's some things that He's wanting you to be able to accomplish, to be able to do. And so He's speaking. And sometimes we're just blind. We're spiritually blind and we don't notice. But when we look back, we think, oh my goodness, how could I miss that? I really did have to be blind to be able to miss God speaking to me. And sometimes God just has to almost to shake us to be able to get our attention. Now, Saul's goal, Paul's goal was to be a part of the Sanhedrin. And I'm just convinced it's the 71 member of the ruling body of the Jewish nation and he was, his determination was to get there. And so part of the reason that he had such a hatred was that he felt like Christians were in the way. 
of ruining the 71-member body. And so some people believe that Paul actually accomplished that. Because Paul, he says even here, when it comes time to vote whether they live or die, I voted that they die. Well, if he voted, then that would mean he was a part of the body. So some people believe that he may have already been a part of the Sanhedrin. But even if he was not, that was his goal, and he was getting close. So there's some people that believe that Paul was there earlier in Acts. So back in chapter 5, when the apostle Peter stood before the Sanhedrin. And Peter, remember Peter had been arrested, placed in jail. They were going to bring him up the next day. An angel came, him and John, they let him go. And the apostles then, he said, hey, you got a job to do, head back to the temple and start preaching. And they just went back and started preaching. So they arrest him. They bring him in. And so in chapter 5, verse 29 through 32, Peter said these words, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Apostle Paul wasn't there, did not hear and heard these words. And here's what verse 29 says, And Peter and the other apostles answered and said this, We ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to His right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses to these things. Also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. He'd have heard those very words. Now he tried to be able to push them off. Oh, Jesus isn't real. This isn't real. But God began to minister right then. And as you share the gospel with somebody, you say, this person is impossible. I'm telling you, you don't know what's going on in their heart. You don't know how the Holy Spirit is beginning to convict, even when, there, when nobody's around. The gospel is powerful. It penetrates hearts. When you share the truth, it makes an impact. These words of Peter would have made an impact. Well, they were planning on killing those apostles. And then an unexpected ally speaks up. Paul's former teacher, a person that's part of the Sanhedrin, begins to speak out the words of Gamaliel. In verse 35 through 39, here's what Gamaliel, he's an older man, this is his advice. And so he says to them, this is what he says, Men of Israel, take heed to yourself what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, uh, Theatus rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was slain. All who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. Now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it'll come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Now that's amazing that someone from the Sanhedrin would say that, but those words had to ring in his ear. If this is of God, you're fighting against God. You can't stop it. Why was Christianity spreading like it was? Jesus was gone. They thought, you kill Jesus, it's over with. 
but it was spreading. It was getting more and more. Why was it having such an impact? These words had to stick in his ear. The Holy Spirit was already pressing. But Paul wasn't paying attention. He was so full of hatred, he was kicking. The words of Stephen. Stephen, they brought in and Stephen began. Remember, Stephen was one of the deacons. First deacons of the church. And Stephen stands before them. He basically just goes over the whole Old Testament. The Bible just shares with them God's working and moving. Well, they get so aggravated with Stephen and some of the words that he says that they're ready to kill him. And, and, and so let me pick up, and, and this is in chapter 7, the words of Stephen and the impact that they had on Paul. First, verse 51, it says, here's what Stephen said, You are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your father did. So do you. And by the way, that made them upset. And they, were, they, were, they pulled Stephen out because they're killing him then. They're going to stone him. Let me skip down to verse 54 because Stephen's going to die. But here's what Stephen says. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. They ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. But Stephen's last words were this. And this is uh, the end of verse 59. He said, Lord, he said, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And then he died. Paul witnessed that. Those words of Stephen never left him. I think that they would constantly be on his mind. Whenever you see somebody that is so committed to God in the relationship, and they have a peace, and they're willing to suffer and die for what they believe, you can't get over that. How could somebody be willing to die for Christ? Peter and John, you know what they did before they released them? They took Gamaliel's advice. They released them, but before they did, they beat them. They scourged them. They said, you know, we're going to cause their backs to bleed. Then... They'll shut up, but they didn't. They were willing to suffer because they had a message that they believed and they were willing to suffer for. And so you know that the Holy Spirit had to be at work. He had to ask that question, why would these men be willing to die? As he was arresting Christians, it was easy for him to get them to blaspheme because to him, blaspheme meant to say Jesus was God. They did it. And then they had reason to kill Him. That's what they did. But you had to ask yourself, why would people, knowing they were going to die, still say Jesus is Lord? So Jesus, when He's talking to Paul, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. He couldn't believe it. He thought He was dead. God had been trying to get his attention this whole time, and now he had to admit he's alive. And you know what was going to happen? He would never be the same again. A century ago, there's a fellow named C.T. Studd. 
boy, he lived in England. He was a cricket player. What an athlete. Everybody, they loved watching him play because he is so good and so athletic. And you know, he was full of himself. His family was well off. He was kind of like Paul, very prideful and just very blessed. <laughs> well, you know, he met the Lord. He became a Christian. One of the servants that worked at his home, they said, this man, he looks the same. He's got the same body. Everything looks the same, but he's not the same. Something has taken place. There is a difference within him. By the way, C.T. Studd walked away from all of that, and he became a missionary. He became determined to lead people to Christ, to tell people about Christ. Paul was never the same. He was a person that became just like those disciples, willing to suffer. I had you read verse 15 because, well, Ananias was told, Ananias, you need to go and put your hands upon this fella, Paul, or Saul, and I want you to put your hands upon him because he can't see that he, that he might receive his sights. Ananias was like, I don't think so. This is the guy that's killing everybody. Wrecking havoc in the church. Why would I do that? And so in verse 15, there of chapter 9, which we read, God just says, well, listen, he's a chosen vessel. He's going to suffer greatly. Paul would be willing to suffer for Jesus Christ. You read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It's an incredible Paul. Their lists, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, some of the things that he had went through. And so, for example, beginning in verse 24, Paul says this, From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes. He had his back totally just scars all over his back. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. By the way, the five times it says that he had received the 40 stripes, Clement, who's one of the church fathers, so he would be writing about the next generation, he said it happened seven times to Paul. He said, I was three times I was shipwrecked. We don't know of any of those three, but the one we know about hadn't even happened yet. So we know there was more than that. A night and a day I'd spent in the deep. So he was in the water a day and a night. He said, I traveled all the time, journeys often, in waters all the time, facing robbers, countrymen, Gentiles, the wilderness, the sea, false brethren, Weariness, toil, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst, and fasting and cold and nakedness. I mean, Paul went through all of that. Why would you go through that unless you really knew that Jesus Christ lived? And Jesus Christ was Lord. And for Paul, it was worth it. And so he was willing to suffer. He wasn't just willing to suffer. He was willing to speak for Jesus. There in verse 15, the Lord said, this guy's going to speak to Gentiles. He's going to the nations. To kings, Paul would speak in front of governors. The emperor, Nero himself. Paul would share with them the gospel and tell them the message of Jesus Christ. You talk about re relevant. We're living in a time, in a day, which people have turned their back on God. Talk about anger. If you tell people what they're doing is immoral, you tell somebody what you're doing is wrong, they don't want to hear it. 
They're ready to pick up stones and throw at you. They're angry. But the Apostle Paul, a man that was full of hate, God emptied him of that hate. God had reached down and touched him in such a way, he said, how could I ever, ever repay the Lord? I can't. But his hatred was gone. He was full of love. And Paul was determined to... He felt an obligation to tell people about Christ. And he loved people. Even when they hated him so much, he was going to speak up and tell them about Christ. He was taking a stand. And his stand was for what was right. And he just stood up and he said, I'm doing what is right. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm doing what is right. See, God looked at the situation as the church began. He said, i got to have somebody. And Paul was that person that was just completely sold out for him, that was willing to be able to speak, to stand for Christ. We're coming into a time where God once again is looking and He's drawing and He's speaking to people and He's saying, i got to have somebody. i got to have somebody down at the plant here. i got to have somebody in the school system. i got to have somebody in the courthouse. I've got to have somebody that's willing to speak up, to stand up, to do what is right. And it may cost you. You may suffer. But I need somebody that's going to do right, that's going to represent me. And God is still reaching out and touching and talking to people. And His Spirit is getting a hold of people. And it may be you. Somebody needs to be able to speak up in your family. To your friends. To your neighbors. And God may be speaking to you and you're not paying attention. You're saying, oh, that's not God. And you're kicking against the Lord saying, no, it's you. I want you. There may be some people that you've been spending your time running against from God that you're mad and you're angry and you're just like the hatred feels you like it did Paul. That can change. Paul, the chief of sinners, said, I don't deserve nothing. And for God to have to love me, to forgive me, the chief of sinners, I don't deserve it. Paul said, I will never be the same. I'm going to be different. I'm living for Him. It's the least I can do. God is wanting us to be able to impact this world. Somebody has to do it. And He's wanting you and I to be able to speak up, to be able to make that impact, to never be the same.